Thank you for downloading this episode of the 155 Podcast, the public records interview series of all candidates in Hamilton's 2018 municipal election. For more election coverage, visit thepublicrecord.ca where you can sign up for our City Hall newsletter. Episode 7, Brad Clark, running for Ward 9, Hamilton City Council. Good morning, Brad. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Firstly, tell us, who is Brad Clark? I'm a citizen in Hamilton. I was born in Hamilton, raised in Hamilton, moved to Stony Creek some 20-odd years ago. I have deep roots in Stony Creek. I have been an active citizen in the community, serving on many different charities and agencies' boards. And I have been blessed to have been offered the opportunity to serve in public life for 12 years. Why are you running? Ward 9 is going through significant growth. There are a lot of challenges, and the residents, they need a counselor who can actually get things done. They need a counselor that has a working knowledge of the Planning Act, of the Environmental Assessment Act, of provincial legislation, of municipal bylaws, and can take that knowledge and put it to use for the residents in the community to get things done. For example, in the community, the Alpharetta Growth Study is proposing that 80,000 new residents will be living in Upper Stony Creek by 2041. That should be a much broader public consultation with residents. A lot of the residents, as I'm knocking on doors, they don't even know that that is happening. They should be included, and there needs to be a real demonstrative effort to include residents in those discussions so that they can participate in it and we can actually modify the plans accordingly. And the larger issue in the ward right now is the roads are a mess. We've had two roads repaired in four years. When I was on council in my eight years, we actually had over 20 roads upgraded, urbanized, or repaired. And the residents are seeing that there's been a significant loss of upgrades in the roads in the last four years. How have you contributed to your community and to our city? That's an excellent question. I have been blessed to have 12 years of public service. I was four years as the MPP for Stony Creek. I served as the Minister of Transportation and Minister of Labor. I served eight years as a city councillor in Hamilton for Ward 9, and I really have had an opportunity to provide significant changes in the community. During my time as an MPP, I worked with community leaders and my fellow MPPs who were not necessarily in my party, opposition MPPs in Hamilton, and we saved working together St. Peter's Hospital and the Henderson Hospital from closure. Working with residents in the community as a city councillor, I was able to preserve the Aramosa Karst feeder lands, and the Aramosa Karst itself was preserved when I was an MPP. I found that over the years, collaborating with residents, collaborating with the leaders of the different agencies, enables you to actually have tremendous success and get things done for the community that really lasts a lifetime. What are your two priorities for Ward 9 and two priorities for Hamilton as a whole? Ward 9, major road repairs are required. What I'm hearing from residents, it's a a rather large ward now, is that the roads are a real mess. And so we really do need to catch up on the lost four years of road infrastructure upgrades. We need to broaden the consultations for the Alfreda Growth Plan. That is going to have a tremendous impact on the quality of life of residents in Upper Stony Creek. 80,000 residents coming to that area means a significant amount of congestion if we don't plan for it properly and ensure that the infrastructure is in place before the development occurs. We want to make sure that the roads and the parks are in place before it occurs. 
Upper Stony Creek is in desperate need of enhanced transit service. I was pleased in my eight years to extend the weekend hours for the transit service for Stone Church uh, Route 43, and, and we created the new Route 44, which is Rymel Road. But for the Heritage Green residents, there is no easy way to get to Bus 44, Rymel. There's no connection. You have to go into the city of Hamilton and then go up to Rymel to get down to Centennial Parkway. It would be a lot easier if we extended the Parkdale route or the Stone Church route to go down Mud Street and enable people to connect to Rama Road. So that's a huge issue there. The big issue on transit, in my opinion, for the city is that we have not secured the funding for the 10-year transit plan. It has been approved. Council has said that they endorse it, but we don't have the funding in place. So we have to find the funding and put that in place. I'm equally concerned about the city's access by design policies. They've been forgotten. I have this desire to make it easy for residents to get copies of documents and reports, and they should not be forced to go through a freedom of information request every time they want to read a report that has gone to the city. And that was an access design policy that I advocated in my first eight years, and it seems to have slipped away a little bit. What you're saying is public documents should be publicly available. That's a very succinct way of putting it, yes. Listeners of this podcast are well aware that myself and the uh, city clerk are currently arguing over if when the legislation in the Municipal Elections Act says that election nomination forms are public documents, we're presently having an argument over whether the legislation actually means they're public documents. It's discretionary. I mean, the city does not have to say and they seem to be very prescriptive, you have to file for freedom of information every single time. They have the discretion to release any documents that they want. They are choosing to make people go through the hoops of the freedom of information request, and it's an unnecessary time delay and an unnecessary cost to residents and, quite candidly, an unnecessary cost to the city. What three skills will you bring to elected office that make you the best choice to represent Hamiltonians on city council? Well, as you know, I'm adept at researching matters. I pride myself on when matters are coming before council. It's just not that I absorb what the staff are reporting, but I want to make sure that what the staff are reporting and the the reference documents that are being used in a report are actually contained in the advice to council. So I like to read everything. And by reading and researching everything, I have a much better perspective on items that are coming before the council. I have an excellent understanding of provincial legislation, municipal bylaws, and that understanding enables me quickly on the fly to be addressing issues that are coming before the council and to know whether or not we're straying into gray areas or whether or not we've clearly gone in the red and we need to pull back. And finally, I pride myself on my communication skills. I've demonstrated over the years that communication skills and the abilities to bring groups of disparate viewpoints together and to try and find common ground, I have that skill. I'm able to communicate positions and facts in a relatively simplified way so that everybody can understand them and then bring people together to come up with a more common ground. In fact, in my tenure, I I didn't have one OMB challenge on any development in my ward because of that technique that I used frequently. What is something interesting or unique about Ward 9 that you believe the rest of Hamilton should know? Well, the Aramosa Karst Conservation Area is a hidden gem in the ward. And I'm amazed that we get a lot of people from outside of the Hamilton area coming to visit this karst. For your listeners, the Aramosa Karst Conservation Area is an area that was originally proposed to have over 5,000 homes on it. 
We preserved it when I was an MPP. We created a conservation area. But what's special about it is that the land is on top of naturally formed caves that are thousands and thousands of years old. And the water continues to flow through and they continue to evolve. And there's an ecosystem in the caves. And it's a beautiful conservation area with hiking trails and really is a treasure. And it's fascinating that when I'm on the trails, I bump into people from the GTA and not so many people from Hamilton. So it's an area that people should come and visit. Hopefully we will not have the Sunflower Selfie Brigade come in (laughs) all at once, though. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Enough with the fun questions. Let's get to the tough one. Hamilton's zoning regulations prevent the building of multi-unit clustered housing, which is in scale with existing single-family housing, commonly referred to as the missing middle. There are approximately 100,000 Hamiltonians in their 20s and approximately 140,000 Hamiltonians over the age of 65. The missing middle is medium-density, transit-connected housing in walkable communities and is important to young renters, first-time owners, and critical for seniors seeking to successfully age in place in the communities they've lived in for decades. As a member of Hamilton City Council, you will need to address housing challenges in Hamilton. You will face opposition to infill development and provincially mandated intensification. How will you respond to concerns about development, and where do you believe mid-density growth should occur in your ward? Let's start with, as a municipality, we should only be approving developments that fully comply with provincial policy statement and provincial policies. When we fail to do that, we waste the taxpayers' money with unnecessary OMB hearings. I really believe that if you work with the developers, the planners, and the community and share information back and forth, you can find the common ground to actually move forward with a development without challenges at the OMB. With reference to density, and your specific question was to where in the the ward would you like to see medium density developed? Rymel Road and Centennial Parkway are both corridors, and there's a larger document with the City of Hamilton policy called uh, Nodes and Corridors, where you would have intensification. Higher density tends to go to the nodes, so where there are commercial districts. You would put higher density, larger apartment buildings along the corridors is a perfect opportunity for what you're talking about, which is medium density, uh, providing affordable rental housing for people along the corridor that connects directly to transit so they can get to work and back and have a higher quality of life. From there, you would phase it down into the community so you might have a little bit more townhouses and multi-level townhouses, and then back into any single-family housing. People need to understand that the province of Ontario has prescribing higher density numbers, and the city has to comply with that. So we have to be really cognizant of the provincial policy statement and make sure that when we're doing these plans, like the Elfrida Growth District, it simply can't be all single-family homes. We have to allow for medium density and higher density in the nodes and corridors. What are two changes you will propose to improve city services? Just two, eh? That's the challenge. I have this desire to see a citywide culture, attitude, and policy where we put citizens first. And I would love to see us get to the point where we could develop a citizen's charter so that the citizens actually know what their rights are within the municipality. I know it sounds corny. But the reality is we have many residents who don't understand how to deal with this city hall and do not understand that they have rights to communicate to city hall and make requests 
and we should have a document that enunciates that. So I like the idea of having a mantra, if you will, policy, citizens first, having the citizens charter explaining exactly what the rights of each individual and each business is, to be quite frank. The second one that I really think we have to do something about is broadening civic engagement. I have found that, for example, the Alfreda Growth District is a perfect example. The planning department followed all of the rules, but the circulation of the information was a relatively small envelope around the Alfreda Growth area and didn't reach back into the more heavily populated areas. They relied on advertisements to the spectator in the Stony Creek News to get the message out, and not everybody reads the spectator or the Stony Creek News. So we have to do more civic engagement by having town halls, open houses. We need to mail notifications to residents on major initiatives. We can't simply rely on advertising getting the message out. And we have to change that culture where civic engagement is a right for the residents and it's a requirement for the city to open up and allow the citizens to speak on matters that council are dealing with. That's two. I could keep going, though. What are two changes you will propose to improve quality of life in Hamilton? Improve citywide transit. The 10-year transit plan is a fantastic plan, in my own opinion, very similar to what I had proposed when I ran for mayor, to be quite honest. We need to make transit convenient, dependable, and connected to interregional transit. Right now, if the desire is to get people out of the cars and using more transit, we're failing in that regard because our transit system is not convenient. In Upper Stony Creek, I hear that frequently from people. I'd love to take the bus, but I can't get to where I'm going. You know, if I want to get to Eastgate Square, you're talking 90 minutes of bus ride to get to Eastgate Square, and we could fix that with a simple route change. So that's one that, in my opinion, right across the city, would really improve the life of the residents. I'd have to go back to the citizens first mantra. I think we can really change the quality of life if we can actually have better interaction with residents. We need to hear from them more often. It's not an inconvenience to hold public meetings. It's not an inconvenience to hear from residents. It should be a requirement and we can modify and learn from the residents what some of the concerns are. I didn't even realize that there wasn't a good connection to the Centennial Parkway bus. It wasn't something that was top of mind for me. But when you're out knocking on doors and talking to people, all of a sudden, wow, that is a real issue. And it's a simple fix. We have to engage the public and make sure that the public knows that they have this right to reach out to us and, and, and be involved in these decisions. Collaboratively, we govern the city. We don't do it on our own as a council. Hamilton City Council decided against ranked balloting this term. Ranked ballots enable voters to choose by prioritizing candidates they feel qualified for public office and best able to represent them. What is your position on ranked ballots? I support ranked ballots. I always have. It's not as complicated as some people lead people to believe. Many politicians lead people to believe that it's much more complicated than it really is. It is simply a matter of ensuring that the eventual elected individual actually has the 50% plus one majority. And so what happens is that the person at the lowest end of the ballot, they end up dropping off and all of their votes go to, you know, you have your second ballot, so who do you want to vote for? And it works through that process. I found that ranked balloting in other jurisdictions has worked very well. And it prevents us from having a situation where someone gets elected with 25% of the vote. 
while you're clearly not representing the majority of residents in the area. So I think most residents would like to see that opportunity, and I think it would work very well. How will you improve civic governance and engagement in the next four years? I really like the idea, and I will be advocating for the development of a citizen's charter. I would love to see council pass a resolution where we create a citizen's panel to explore the idea of a citizen's charter and what rights would be involved in that charter, and then pass the actual citizen's charter, make it public so people know what their rights are within this community, and then make that a part of the central policy of the council and the city and the staff so that at the end of the day we're always putting citizens first and i think that sometimes we get lost in that we get lost in the conversation about policy we get lost in in the fact that as the board of directors for the city of hamilton we're making these difficult decisions we should be collaborating with the broader community to make those difficult decisions they should be a part of those decision making process Perfect example, these fast-track motions that come before council and they waive the rules of procedure and introduce a motion, very convenient for the city council, very convenient for the staff, but what it lacks is there was no public consultation. Whenever they do that, public consultation gets thrown directly out the window and you no longer are really acting as a democratic body. Uh, You're making a decision unilaterally because it's more convenient to do so. might be an emergency, I understand that, But many times it's not an emergency, and we should ensure that every resolution, every policy that is being voted by the council has had an opportunity for public input. And I think that's a huge improvement to governance in the city. I personally like the idea of having ongoing regular meetings with the community on issues of importance to the community. For example, all of the planning decisions, we had a number of significant planning decisions in my eight years on council within the ward, we met with the residents before the planning process. We met with the developers, brought them together. The developers shared their views. Sometimes it was a raunchous meeting because residents were really aghast at what was being proposed. But they all came together to actually have a conversation about it. And then the developer would go back and consider that. They'd come back and meet with me, and then we'd go back and meet the community. And over a period of time, we were able to actually get to a situation where a compromise plan was presented that the residents felt comfortable with. They may not have liked it completely, but it was much better than what was originally proposed. As a result of that process, we never had any actual challenges to the OMB in my ward in my eight years, which is quite a feat. Reaching out to the community through newsletters and emails and keeping everyone informed really does make the ward a much better place to live, improves the governance model dramatically. How will the city strategic plan guide your decision in hiring a new city manager? And what qualities do you seek in a new city manager? I don't think the strategic plan would guide me in any way, shape, or form in the hiring of a new city manager. The new city manager would be required to implement that strategic plan. I think it's more important that when we are doing the interviewing process and looking at the next prospective city managers, that we look at their qualifications, their experience, past achievements in other municipalities, the understanding of the governance model, communication skills. They should be able to show that they're able to delegate work to other senior staff. They should be leaders and be able to lead the other city staff. And the most important thing for me personally is I want them to ensure that council always gets 
unfettered professional expert advice from the staff. And for me, that's really important because we need the staff to provide their professional advice to council and council can make the political decision. I really get upset and worry about reports that have been sanitized or or modified because they think that they know what the council wants. I don't want them to think what they think the council wants. I want them to provide their professional advice and then council can say what they want to do and how they want to proceed. So those are the the key points that I think in the interviewing of a city manager, I'd like to have someone like that. Politics is the art of allocating limited resources and compromising to find solutions. How will you do so? It might seem trite, but by listening. I find in my experience in public life, politicians have many different people pulling at them at different times. So when we're in a meeting, for example, blackberries are going, blackberries, uh, cell phones are going off, they're reading memos. It's really important that we listen to each other, hear their concerns, listen to citizens and their concerns, and then be willing to compromise our position. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, you shouldn't be locked into a position and you know right and everyone else is wrong. You really have to start listening to everyone around you okay, well, maybe we can move this yardstick forward if we do this, this, and this. So it really is about listening, about collaborating, and about compromising and not being too rigid in your own positions. It's fine if you feel you need to take that stance, but at least listen to what your colleagues and the staff are saying so that you can make an informed decision instead of being ideological. It's 2022. The public record is writing a review of the four-year council term that's just ending. What three words do you hope we use to describe your term on council? And what three words do you hope will describe council as a whole? It would be the same three words, get things done. They got things done. There's an awful lot of work that needs to be done in the ward and in the city. We have to, as the councillor, I have to be cognitive of all the needs within the community and constantly pushing the envelope for capital budgeting and finding the ways and means to ensure that the roads are improved, the sidewalks are improved, that the parks are built, finding the ways and means to fund those initiatives, listening to the concerns of the residents. So getting things done is something that we should be striving for all the time. It's not about just keeping a seat warm. It's about actually being active in the community and getting things done. And likewise with the council, we can't spend four years of dallying on issues. We need to push the yardstick forward in that four years so that when we're done, we can point to exactly what we did get done. It would show that council can get things done. Thank you. That's the end of the prepared questions you were sent in advance. Do you have any closing remarks you wish to share? Thank you. Thank you to you for this opportunity and thank you to the residents for their support in the past 12 years of my, my life in, in the community. They've, I've found over time that it's a really sacred relationship that you have with your constituents and they expect you to serve and my job is to serve those constituents and I do that with pride. Thank you, Brad. This has been Episode 7 of the Public Records, The 155 Podcast our interviews with all candidates in the 2018 municipal election. The Public Record is Hamilton's local, independent, reader-funded news outlet. This podcast is made possible by members of the Public Records Press Club. Visit thepublicrecord.ca to learn more and listen to all episodes of the 155 podcast. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed. The Public Record is a member of the National News Media Council, a voluntary self-regulatory organization that deals with journalistic practices and ethical behavior. 
to learn more about the Media Council, visit the Media Council at mediacouncil.ca. Thank you for listening. See you at the polls on October 22nd.